0: Friends, we are back with another hour of y'all on this Monday. John Rawl, the voice of all things southern, aka the general of the South. Pleased to be here as we've got nearly a full week of programs coming your way on y'all. This show powered by y'all.com. It is the South's homepage. And if you would like to connect with us, we've got an email address that you can email us anytime at mail, mail at yall.com, mail at yall.com. And if you have a an urge to text us, we've got a way for you to do that 24 hours a day. That's 615-208-4184. Hope y'all had a very, very great weekend. We've had a, a rather good weekend, and we're going to fill you in on what all is coming up throughout the week, including a program note for Tuesday's show that we'll pass along during today's broadcast. But let me tell you what's the agenda for this Monday edition, as we have now come into the last full week of the month of July. Actually, I say full week. Let me check the calendar on the wall real quick. Yeah, we got a full week. Yeah, the 1st of August is not going to be until next Tuesday. So in case you got to pay your rent, don't be freaking out right now because of me, you got plenty of time to get that check in the mail. So don't don't blame old John. In fact, you can credit old John, John Rawl, the general of all things Southern, for giving you a heads up that you might have to get something out there very soon. So let's tell you what's on stage today. We've got headlines from across the Southeast today. President Joe Biden announcing an Emmett Till monument in Mississippi. We'll fill you in on what exactly that's going to look like, what that means as part of our news headlines across the south today also we have our sports headlines and the big story out of the sports weekend we got a southern boy that is the world champion of golf congratulations to brian harman the savannah born golfer won his first major his only third victory ever in professional golf and he got the big win at royal liverpool on sunday we're going to let you hear from the 36 year old golfer and we'll also fill you in on his plans to celebrate with the Claret Jug and what he's going to do when he gets back to the good old Southland. Brian Harmon, your Open Championship winner on the golf tour on Sunday. Congratulations. We also have other sports headlines, including college sports news. In fact, we got several FCS-related stories we'll pass along. Tragic news out of Austin P. in Clarksville, Tennessee. A member of that football team has died in a car crash. We'll let you know about that. Plus, we've got news out of Tallahassee, not about the Seminoles, but the FAMU Rattlers, Florida A&M, in the news for the wrong reasons I'll explain. Plus, on today's show, I'm going to go ahead and preview the top 25 of the 2023 FCS poll standings. I know we're a month away from the start of college football, but why not give FCS football, aka 1AA football, a little love, and we're going to do that on today's Y'all show. So we got all that sports headed head, heading your way today. Then we've got hashtag hullabaloo here in hour number one. And we're going to have some fun talking about shucking corn. So we'll have all that. Plus, we've got a graphic that explains which states, what's your, what your state? If you're in, let's say, Arkansas, what state do you hate more than anybody else? And we've got that broken down for all of our southern states. As part of our hashtag Fun, And that's coming up later this first hour of the Y'all Show. When we move over to hour number two today, we've got more headlines from across the southeast. But we also have, we're going to divide history into two parts today. We're going to have history in hour two and history in hour three. Because I'm getting some text every now and then saying, hey, man, you need to cover more history. So our staff here at the Y'all Show have been working extra this past weekend to come up with some good history to talk about and we're going to do just that today. We've got history in hour two including this marks the anniversary back in 1948 of the desegregation of the U.S. Army. Harry Truman ordered that and it was done this week in 1948. I'll explain a little bit more about how the armed forces desegregated as part of our Southern History Spotlight. Also I'm going to tell you about a figure in history that's not necessarily American, but his influence is felt in America. Even though he never really lived here, he did visit here. And his birth is this week. And I'm going to tell you about this character out of the early 19th nineteenth century. There are even towns named after this guy. I will explain that as part of our Southern History Spotlight today. Also in this second hour that we've got planned for you coming up in hour two, we've got Our southern recipe of the day, and this one was easy for me to bring up because, well, let's just be real with you here. I've been on a little bit of a kick here, and I've had two of these bad boys within about the last four days, and so I have pulled up a Shoney's hot fudge cake recipe. Do y'all remember when there were Shoney's all over the place? Do you remember the hot fudge cake? Do you remember... Shoney's Hot Fudge Sunday. That was the first Hot Fudge Sunday I'd ever had. Well, they also had, and still have if you're lucky enough to live near a Shoney's Hot Fudge Cake. And so, I've been to two places in the last four days, neither of which was a Shoney's, by the way. But boy, oh boy, did they serve up delicious Hot Fudge Cake. So, when I tried to find a good recipe, I actually found one for Shoney's Hot Fudge Cake Recipe. So, we're going to walk through a delicious because you deserve it, hot fudge cake recipe in our th- second hour today. Now does that not sound incredible? And oh yeah, it's got a cherry on top. <laughs> it really, it really does. Hour three today, we've got more headlines coming your way and then we're going to continue on with that history that we promised you we would get to. And we're going to kind of steal a, a little bit of what we do on Fridays in our third hour today. Megan is not in this week. So I'm going to Talk history in hour number three, but I'm going to do it in music form as today marks the birth of Greenville, North Carolina's native son, Billy Taylor. Billy was a accomplished songwriter, but he also was a jazz artist and he had a song out that he wrote and he had it out himself, but it was Nina Simone's version of I wish I knew how I would, how it would feel to be free that I'm going to play some of that in our final hour It was a song, kind of an anthem, of the civil rights movement of the 1960s. And we're going to play Billy Taylor and let you know more about this great North Carolina jazz singer. We lost him many years ago. But you're going to learn more about Billy and actually his fellow North Carolinian, Nina Simone, who was an artist in her own right back in the 1960s and a little bit before and after that time period. So that's part of our Southern history coming to you in our final hour plus more sports news and more fun all right here on the show that we call the y'all show powered by you com. let's dive into today's news headlines as we get today's news works going and sad news out of eastland county in texas that's about 45 minutes west of dallas it's kind of right smack dab in the middle of north central texas The Eastland County, Texas Sheriff's Office announcing that Deputy David Boxer was responding to a domestic situation Friday night when he was shot and killed. Deputies responded to this domestic fight in that town of Eastland. Eastland County has its county seat of Eastland. According to a sheriff's officer, Deputy Boxer was the first to arrive on scene and upon arrival, the suspect immediately began shooting And the sheriff's deputy from this Eastland County Sheriff's Office in Texas was struck and fatally wounded. Other units responded. They were able to apprehend the alleged shooter. No one else, thankfully, was injured. The suspect taken to Stevens County Jail in Texas where he will be charged with capital murder. A tragic loss in Texas law enforcement. Again, out of Eastland County in Texas, a sheriff's deputy there killed Friday night, Eastland, by the way, is in, as I said, in central West Texas. And its county seat is Eastland. And it is uh, got a couple of uh, communities there, Cisco and Ranger, Texas. And they have junior colleges in both of those places, by the way. But it is uh, a tragic, tragic time there in that part of Texas with one of their law enforcement community members dead as a result of another tragic domestic violence call that you have to go answer and in this case it was a deadly deadly night in eastland county texas president joe biden has announced that he will establish a national monument honoring emmett till that was the black teen that came down to mississippi from chicago back in 1955 that's the teen that allegedly whistled at a white woman at a grocery store there in the mississippi delta And now there's going to be a monument as President Biden on Tuesday is going to sign a proclamation to create the Emmett Till and Mamie Till Mobley National Monument. And it's actually going to be in three sites. It's going to be in Illinois and in Mississippi. The birth of Emmett Till, he was born in 1941. His birthday is Tuesday, and that's why they're signing this legislation on Emmett Till's birthday the monument to till will protect places that are central to the story of his life and death at age 14 remember if you know this story and i don't know how you don't know this story because there were like just last year alone there was a movie i think about it there was a multi-week tv series on nbc about it and i know it was a tragic thing and and i'll give the emmett till story credibility it was the tragic death of this 14-year-old boy in Mississippi that really woke up a lot of people. This was before, I think, if it wasn't before, it was right at the time of Brown versus Board of Education, mid-1950s. And when this happened, when a young boy in America gets brutally murdered, and then what happened was, this could have been just another case, but his mother, as we said, Mamie was her name, she decided when she got his body back, after it was found in the Tallahatchie River, I think it was, right uh, to the north of Greenwood, Mississippi. She decided to have an open casket. This was a drowned, mutilated body. And she decided to put that casket on display in Chicago so people could see just exactly what had happened to her son. And it was gruesome. And that image was actually photographed and shared. And it was just a tragic, tragic event in American history and certainly a tragic event in Mississippi and Southern history. On this show, we don't shy away from our history and our Southern history is not always kind. And Emmett Till, an example of just how horrible the South has had parts of its history and the whole world knows about it. So the three sites are going to break down for this Emmett Till monument that will be a site at Roberts Temple Church of God of Christ in Bronzeville. That's a black neighborhood on Chicago's south side. That's where thousands of people gathered back in 1955 to mourn Emmett Till. Then there will be locations in Mississippi at Grabal Landing. That is where it is believed that Emmett Till's mutilated body was pulled from the Tallahatchie River. The other location is the Tallahatchie County 2nd District Courthouse. That is in Sumner. Tallahatchie County, Mississippi, is one of about nine counties in the Magnolia State that has dual courthouses. They actually have two courthouses in the same county. There's one in Charleston, and then there's one in the Delta side of Tallahatchie, over on the west side, and it's in Sumner, Mississippi. And it was in Sumner that they had the trial for Emmett Till's alleged killers. They were tried and acquitted by an all-white jury back in the 1950s. So now there's going to be this second district courthouse, which I still think is used there in Sumner, Mississippi. And now it'll be a national monument. Biden, for Black History Month this year, actually hosted a screening of the movie Teal, which is a drama about his lynching. And Biden's kind of been on an Emmett Teal role here lately back in march of 2022 the president signed the emmett till anti-lynching act into law congress had first considered such legislation more than 120 years ago and there was even an update on emmett till earlier this year you might have remembered the passing of the woman who is alleged to claim that till whistled at her and supposedly She died, and I'm trying to pull up the date, the actual date. I think she died in Kentucky. Carolyn Bryant Donham is her name. And she died at age 88, back in April. She died in hospice care. I'm sorry, in Kentucky. Not in Kentucky, Louisiana. Westlake, Louisiana. Calchito, Paris is where she died. And until her death. I'm not kidding. The federal government was doing everything they could More than 75 years, 80 years after this incident happened in the mid-1950s, they were doing everything they could until her death to try to put her in jail. And she's the woman that, again, claims that Emmett Till whistled at her. Just because somebody says somebody whistles at you doesn't mean they need to go to, to prison 70 years after this happened. I don't know why it happened. Again, we had a, a jury that found the the boy, the, 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 the jury found the, the men that alleged to have killed her innocent. Within, I think it was about 30 minutes, they came out with a decision after his body was recovered in the Tallahatchie River. The incident with that store with Miss Donham happened in Money, Mississippi. And again, Donham dying earlier this year at age 88. She would have been a young woman, 20 years old maybe, when this happened in 1955. And again, an ugly stain where these, somebody killed Emmett Till. He didn't just jump in the river. Somebody killed him. I think they found a box fan off of a cotton gin or something like that around his neck. He was murdered. And a jury couldn't find it. The Maybe the law enforcement back in 55 didn't do their due diligence to find the killer's And this, an ugly stain on Mississippi and an ugly stain on America and the South. But good came of it. There was good that came as a result of Emmett Till. And that good was, as I said, it woke up a lot of people. And it really galvanized the civil rights movement. I I do believe the civil rights movement, they, they consider this the start, or at least a huge part, of the foundation i mean if you think about it i don't think martin luther king jr was even a national figure in 1955 i don't think he was so this was in rosa parks had not happened yet i don't think I, I need to double check that you know i need to know these dates y'all especially as a guy who claims to be mr southern history here and what, what was the year i know it was in the 50s at rosa park It was December of 1955, December 1st, so yeah, the the killing of Emmett Till happened just a few months before Rosa Parks. In fact, I could be wrong, but I think I've heard that maybe this was what inspired her to challenge Montgomery, Alabama's bus rules and help lead to a bus boycott of Montgomery, Alabama. Again, a lot of things happened after Emmett Till came about and the death and the murder of this man, and Joe Biden, Tuesday again, signing into law a national monument for Emmett Till, the young boy from Chicago who came down to be with family during the summer months of 1955. And it will be a national monument. Now, sadly, another tragic killing of black people to tell you about that will also be memorialized going forward, not as a national monument, but to Charleston, South Carolina, we go. Remember, the unfortunate, horrible June eighteenth of twenty-fifteen. That's when Dylan Roof went in there and gunned down innocent people at Emmanuel Church, Mother Emanuel A.M.E. Church in downtown Charleston, South Carolina. Well, over the weekend, Mother Emanuel A.M.E. Church broke ground on the Emmanuel Nine Memorial, and in celebration of their birthday, they got dedicated there at the church, a wholly restored pipe organ that they've not had a pipe organ working in that church for quite some time. And so they have, again, broke ground on a memorial that will remember the nine lives taken back in June of 2015, including the pastor, who was a state senator at the time, Reverend State Senator Clementa Pickney, who was 41 years old when he was killed. Others killed that day Cynthia Graham Hurd at age 54, Ethel Lance was 70, the Reverend DePayne Middleton was 49, Tawanza Sanders was 26, the Reverend Daniel Simmons was 74, the Reverend Sharonda Singleton was 45, and others 59 year old Myra Thompson and 87 year old Susie Jackson, the nine Members of that church killed at a Bible study, I think on a Wednesday night. This memorial for Emmanuel Church will be in the courtyard, and it will have two fellowship benches facing each other. At the center of the courtyard, there will be a marble fountain with the names of the Emmanuel Nine on it. And this is right there in historic downtown Charleston, just down the street from Citadel Square, just down the street from the College of Charleston and not far from East Bay Street, you'll find this. And I remember being in Charleston just a few months. It might have even been a few weeks after this horrible shooting. And at that time, there were dozens, if not hundreds, of people lined up to pay their respects for the fallen there at this church in Charleston. And as a Christian, as a Southerner, this one really hurt because who in their right mind would go into a church like this guy did and kill people that had welcomed him in to pray. And he was in there about an hour before he pulled this off. Just a disturbing, disturbing. I know mass shootings, no matter what, the reason or justification or the time or location are all terrible. But this one took a whole new level of just unbelievable regret that this could have happened and it happened with good christian people and remember it was emmanuel nine that when the man went in to be arraigned people prayed for his forgiveness now that was the ultimate sign of christian forgiveness and people that are of the caliber that you say you know I need to be more like them. I don't need to be a horrible sinner and a selfish person. That church, Mother Emanuel in Charleston, South Carolina, needs to inspire me and inspire this nation. And you know what? I think it did. I really do think that church, it took tragedy, just like Emmett Till's death, but we're seeing good come of that and a reminder that despite all the horrible stuff that happens in life, the sacrifice of Emmanuel nine is not going to be forgotten. And this memorial is going to go a long way. We've got more headlines coming up in today's y'all show. So make sure you hang on for what we've going to, the other stories that we'll tell you as we move on in today's show. But when we come back on y'all, we've got an update from the Claret jug, that Claret jug. It's going to have Guinness on it or in it from what, Brian Harman did with it Sunday night. But sometime in the near future, this native Georgian who just won golf's arguably top individual honor winning the Open Championship, the British Open at Royal Liverpool, I'm telling you, Brian Harman's got a little red in him. And sometime this week I'm going to go ahead and lay down the the Claret Jug gauntlet. Sometime this week, that thing's going to have some Paps Blue Ribbon poured into it, and he's going to drink out of it. I, I'm just telling you. So I'm going to tell you more as we go on in today's show about Brian Harmon winning his first major Sunday in England. We've got that as part of our Southern Sports and other sports happenings of the weekend. And that reminder, you can join us here at the Y'all Show anytime. Our email address, mail, mail at y'all.com. We would love... To get your feedback so stay tuned we got sports plus hashtag all blue is just around the corner we're going to talk about shucking corn y'all all oh, shucks yeah we are we'll be right back We want to hear you here at Supertalk 93.1 on shows like The Y'all Show, The Patriot Pastor, and The Frankie Lack Show. We've got a text line that you can text us and participate in the program. That number is 731-410-7560. And the Supertalk 93.1 text line is powered by Me Tree Service. They are a West Tennessee-based company and they will help you with any of your tree removal problems, tree trimming, tree elevation, pruning, tree topping, stump grinding, and more. They're a small family-owned business that's licensed and insured, and you can call See Me Tree Service for a free estimate. Call them at 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. For all of your tree removal or tree issues going on, give them a call for that free estimate. 731-617-2236. 731-617-2236. See me tree service, powering the Super Talk 93.1 text line. we go go dogs here on the southern sports report on this monday i am john rawl and how about them dog not plural singular how about a dog as georgia alum brian harman wins the open championship equally golf's greatest honor the green jacket and the claret jug are as good as you can get in golf and guess what it was a georgia boy the savannah born brian Harmon, 36 year old who sunday dominated at royal liverpool just outside of hoy lake in england and he gets his first major his third victory ever on tour and it comes in grand style i'm sure he dreamt growing up in coastal georgia putting on a green jacket He's going to have to put that memory in the rear-view uh, rear mirror. Brian, you got a Clorette jug. And that's going to look mighty nice next to your Kubota tractor. I'm John Rawl, and we are talking Southern Sports here. And I said Kubota tractor because Brian mentioned in his victory press conference Sunday that he had just bought a Kubota tractor. He he He's got property somewhere in Georgia. I'd love to know where it is. I I might drive by there and check it out sometime. Maybe see him out there whacking a ball. But actually, he's a big bow hunter. So he's got food plots on this farm somewhere in Georgia. I assume somewhere coastal Georgia, because I think he lives around Brunswick. I think there's a whole commune of golfers who claim Sea Island and Brunswick as home. And Those golfers include, I'm doing it off the top of my head, Brian Harmon's one of them, but I think that's also where Harris English lives. It is where, uh, Zach Johnson lives. He's, he's one of the big names that lives down there and there's gotta be more. There's definitely gotta be more. There's, if you look at the way the East coast flows, there's a, a professional golf enclave South of Savannah there at Brunswick, but then you get down to Jacksonville. That's where Cameron Johnson lives. That's the guy that actually won the Open Championship last year, although he's an Australian. And there's other golfers that live around Jacksonville. But there's a ton of golfers that live down toward Jupiter just off of Mar-a-Lago. Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Tiger Woods is around that area. And it was coastal Georgia's own that pulled out the victory open championship the 151st open championship played this week and brian eric Harmon, savannah born he lives at sea island the father of three pulls out his third career victory on the pga tour winning the Open Championship. His previous best was back in 2017. He tied for second in the U.S. Open, at least in terms of a major. And he'd been in the Open Championship the last couple of years, but he kept missing the cut. And the neat thing about hearing him talk about the victory was he said he found a gadget in his barn the other day, and it's some kind of mirror that he uses when he's practicing his putting. And the dang thing worked. So much so that he's hoisting a claret jug. He can look at himself down on the ground in that mirror holding up a claret jug. (laughs) And Brian Harmon was a very good golfer, by the way. He was a very good amateur. I think he was the top amateur in the country as a youngster. And then he went on to be All-American at UGA, where he was on that golf team with people like Harris English. And I think Bubba Watson was on the team when he was there. And, again, prior to his time in Athens, he won the Junior Amateur and won a bunch of other stuff. He was on the Walker Cup and Palmer Cup teams. He had won on the PGA Tour just a handful of times. He won back in 2014 the John Deere Classic, beating the aforementioned Zach Johnson, the hometown guy there in the Quad Cities. And then his next victory on the Tour came in 2017, winning – in Charlotte at the Wells Fargo, beating South Carolina boy Dustin Johnson in that one in a – I don't know if that went into a playoff or not. But on Sunday, his third PGA Tour victory comes in a big one, the Open Championship. He won by six strokes. Those behind him, John Rom, Jason Day, Tom Kim, and another Bulldog of the Georgia variety, Sepp Straka. Those guys behind a very good day on the golf course from Brian Harmon. Coming up later in the show, we're going to go to a Golf Channel interview. We'll let you hear that, where Brian Harmon is interviewed about his very, very good week at Royal Liverpool. And he parred that final 18. And I really thought we would see a little bit more emotion out of the guy. But you know what? It was raining. It was ugly out there, and I'm sure he was just ready to get off the course. In fact, his wife was not even over there. She was on a family vacation near Syracuse, New York this past week. Honey, where are you? In fact, one reporter, I mentioned that he's got a Kubota. He just bought a Kubota for his farm just a few weeks ago. He hasn't even seen it yet. And someone asked him at the presser, well, how much did your tractor cost, Brian Harmon? And he didn't want to say because he had never told his wife how much that dang tractor cost. Well, you know what? Harmon picked up a cool $3 million paycheck for winning the Open Championship Sunday. So I think he could probably get a few more Kubotas out there on the farm. And he's a bow hunter. He doesn't hunt with a gun. And I bet you he's all about taking down some deer and some turkey and maybe a few coyotes, maybe, hopefully. We need to get him out there doing that, but... One thing he also took down, Sunday at least, in England, he shot a bunch of birdies. (laughs) He only needed a few, and that's all he got. But guess what? That's what led him to a six-stroke victory. Congratulations, Brian Harmon. Some NFL news. Congratulations to Bryce Young, the number one pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback out of the University of Alabama. He signed with the Carolina Panthers over the weekend, a four-year deal, that will allow him to pick up a cool thirty-seven point million dollars This deal that he signed with David Tepper's franchise includes a $24.6 million signing bonus, and it is fully guaranteed. The Panthers' rookies are scheduled to report to training camp Saturday. I don't know if that's – I guess they're already there. Yeah, this looks like they're already there in – Spartanburg at Walford College. Yes, it is official. Bryce Young has inked his name on the dotted line and is a Carolina Panther officially as he is in Walford and at Walford in Spartanburg, South Carolina for the fall camp. The first full practice for the Panthers will be Wednesday. And I've been to a few of those Walford College Panthers workouts and it is hot as heck. <laughs> in the upstate of South Carolina at Walford College. Bryce, enjoy your time with the Panthers, and we will have plenty of coverage, I'm sure, on Bryce Young as an NFL player. Thirty-seven point million, thirty-seven point nine mil signed to this youngster. And also want to let you know some sad news out of college football this weekend. A freshman player for Austin P. the governor's, lost a member of their football team as Friday night 18-year-old defensive back Jeremiah Collins was killed in a single-car crash near the Clarksville, Tennessee, school. According to reports, the young man who had just graduated a few months ago from his high school in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, I think is where he's from, according to reports, he was driving too fast while exiting a highway and his pickup truck rolled over several times before coming to rest. This happened, the crash happened, it looks like, in the Nashville area because Metro Nashville Police put out a a report on it. But indeed, he did go to Oakland High School in Murfreesboro, just graduating, and was going to be a freshman member of the Austin P. Governor's football team. And he has died after a car crash. Jeremiah Collins, our thoughts with his family and the memory of this young man. And with the Austin P. University, Austin P. State University, I believe is what it's officially called. With their team, with a, a tragic, tragic loss. Just days before I'm sure he was scheduled to go in and start fall camp. And that is a look at some of the sports headlines for this opening hour. Of the Y'all Show. When we come back on Y'all, we're going to switch over and pull up some conversation about shucking corn. It's part of hashtag All of Blue where social media is delivered right to our inbox and we reveal what people around the South are talking about. And we're going to talk shucking corn and who hates who when we come right back.
1: As we sat on the front porch of that old gray house where I was born and raised Staring at the dusty fields where my daddy worked hard every day I think it kind of hurt him when I said, Daddy, there's a lot that I don't know But don't you ever dream about a life where corn don't grow? He just sat there sighing, staring at his favorite coffee cup.
0: And we got corn on our mind for this segment of Hashtag color Blue. Welcome back into the show that shakes design. the Southland. We are y'all. I'm John Rawl. And we got to credit Lisa Carey for getting corn on our mind. And that's why we're playing a little Travis Tritt where corn don't grow. A song Waylon Jennings had out at one time. Lisa is on Twitter, at the Mrs. underscore Carey. And Lisa is a teacher of social studies, a math, science, and other important stuff teacher. All right. Thank you, Lisa. And she's got a post that she's got thekitchen.com credited for. And I, I want to give mind. them proper credit the because thekitchen.com and Lisa are letting us know today about shucking corn. <laughs> so thank you, Lisa. And I guess corn is looking mighty good out there if you got any on your property or in your garden. So we wanted to take time today to tell you how to properly shuck corn. In case you don't know, we want to help you. We're in the helping business here at the Y'all Show. So, thanks to thekitchen.com, that is T-H-E-K-I-T-C-H-N, thekitchen.com, we've got a post on social media that we're going to share with you now. And this post says, hot take, shucking corn on your back porch should be part of any southern therapy program. Amen. Shucking corn on your back porch should be part of any southern therapy program. I could not agree more. Now go get me some corn, y'all, because I don't have any. (laughs) Here's some tips on choosing and shucking corn. You don't really need to pull back the husk and check the top kernels of corn when you go buy them. If the corn feels firm and heavy when you pick it up, it's a positive sign that it's a good thing to bring home with you. So don't worry about the look, it's all about firmness and heaviness, okay? Also, when you're choosing your corn, the husk itself should still look fresh and it should hold tightly around that cob. If the outer leaves or the leaves around the top of the cob look dry and loose, then pick a different ear. You ear me? Also, when you're picking out your corn, for proper shucking, you also want to make sure the silky tassel is still attached. This is what you grab onto when you unzip the cob from its husk and it will pull most of the silks along with it. No tassel and your shucking job will be much tougher. And you'll be sitting there saying, you guessed it, ah, shucks. So how to shuck corn according to thekitchen.com. Peel off the outer leaves, peel away the outer leaves until you have one thin layer of inner leaves remaining around the ear and make sure you go back to our podcast to write all this stuff down cuz i'm kind of going to go through this rather quickly here you also want to expose the tip of the ear of corn peel back the leaves at the tip of the cob just until you see the top rows of kernels this is the start of your quote zipper you then want to grasp the tops of the leaves and the tassel grasp the tops of the leaves and the tassel together in one hand Grip the bottom of the ear of corn with your opposite hand. Got that? Let's move on to the next step of how to shuck corn. You pull down on one firm tug. You go, you pull down on that thing to tug firm there and pull the leaves and tassels straight down in one firm tug. There's our phrase of the day, one firm tug for all you firmers out there. You also want to pull all the way to the bottom, inverting the husk and the cob. Then break off the leaves and the silks, gather the leaves and silks in one hand, and then snap them off at the base of the ear of corn. Then you can go and discard the leaves, silks, and tassels. Sounds like we're having a graduation ceremony with tassels and and silks and more, but no, we're shucking corn instead of going through a graduation. I'll still give you your corn shucking diploma if you want it. You also can tidy up the cob. You can do that by running your fingers over the cob and picking away any remaining silks. You probably won't get every single one. That's expected, actually. That's part of the corn on the cob experience. But you can get most of them by, again, running your fingers over the cob and picking away any remaining silks. And then the last step, when you're trying to shuck that corn, repeat with the remaining ears of corn. So, yeah, that was all done just for one ear. And then you got a whole box over here that needs to be shucked. So repeat it with the remaining ears of corn, all these steps I just went through. The silk on some corn is more stubborn than on others. And if you get a particularly stubborn batch, you might want to try microwaving your ears for a minute or two before shucking. So those are all very important steps on shucking corn, y'all. And we got to go back to Lisa Carey at the Mrs. underscore Carey the teacher of social studies, math, science, and other important stuff for letting us know about what thekitchen.com has posted with their hot take that Lisa gave us. Shucking corn on your back porch should be part of any Southern therapy program. And you know what, Lisa? You are 100% accurate on that one. And we appreciate thekitchen.com for putting that out there. And we appreciate anybody like Lisa that wants to, Share with us what's going on in their life and some of their great tips. Now, I had told you that we're going to try to squeeze in this great little contest that has been posted on social media about every state's least favorite state. We've just run out of time, hour one. We'll try to squeeze it in if we're allowed to later on in the show because it's a hoot. And Florida, you got a lot of haters out there. Alabama, you got a lot of haters. You really do. And I'm going to tell you who hates you. Believe it or not, Florida looks in the mirror when it hates itself. <laughs> sure enough, I am I'm, I'm, i can't believe it, but it's true. So, we got that fun feature that we'll be getting to later if we can. If not, we'll have to push it back to another day here on hashtag huddleblue. But that wraps up our first hour of y'all. mail at y'all.com is how you can get us here. When we come back, hour two is heading your way. We got a lot of history to talk about. Plus, hot fudge cake. Yummy. All that is coming up on y'all. Y'all. We're the Y'all Show where we talk with a southern accent. And if you have a little bit of a little twang to your speech, you found the right spot on your radio and podcast dial. And if you are envious, well, come on in. You can join the fun. And if you hate what we sound like, well, don't be a hater. Appreciate what we sound like because we're different. And what we offer here at the Y'all Show is. Ain't nobody anywhere got the kind of stuff that we've got on here as we cover news about the South that you're not going to hear anywhere else. Important news, stuff that the CNNs and MSDNCs and the Fox News channels of the world just glance over because it's not a big enough story. It's not a hate Trump story. And so they don't even cover it, but we cover it here on the Y'all Show because we find it is important for you to know what's going on with your neighbors. And that's what we do in our news headlines that we have each and every hour. Plus, we have sports and history. We've got a lot of history to tell you about here in our history spotlight for this second hour of today's Y'all Show. And no other program out there dives deep into southern food like we do here at Y'all. And we're going to get your Monday going in a big way for many of you in a throwback way. We've got a recipe coming up we're going to go look into, and uh, and hopefully I'll be able to make it through this hour, y'all. We're going to look at a Shoney's hot fudge cake recipe It's part of our southern recipe of the day. Now, did you ever think you would ever hear that term used again? Shoney's hot fudge cake. Oh, there's a handful of Shoney's out there. I, I really should pull up their map. Now, I might do that when we get to that segment later this hour of where you can find a Shoney's in 2023. There's not many of them left. But if they're there, they better be serving hot fudge cake. If not, this is just a throwback for, for a lot of you. So we'll have all that as part of our southern recipe that we'll have later this hour. And before we get out of here in hour three, we're going to have more headlines from across the south. Plus, we've got more history coming in hour three History from a musical standpoint today marks the birthday of Billy Taylor, the jazz artist. And Billy had a song that he performed. He wrote it called, I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free. And it became somewhat of a 1960s civil rights anthem. And I'm going to let you hear a portion of that from his fellow North Carolinian, Nina Simone, recorded that back in the late 1960s. And we're going to let you know more about these talented North Carolinians from the jazz world, Billy Taylor, primarily because it's his birthday and we remember that birthday here today. But we'll give you a little bit more on Nina Simone and other musical fun, part of our Southern History Spotlight for hour number three. And then before we get out of here today, more sports coverage, including FCS football news, tragedy within the Austin Peay Governor's football family as one of their freshman players was killed over the weekend. I'll tell you about that. The news out of Clarksville, Tennessee. And we've got news out of Tallahassee with Florida A&M having a music video that was not authorized to be made there on the Tallahassee campus. We'll let you know about that. Plus, I'm going to look at the top 25 of FCS football as we're just a month away from the start of college football. We'll have all that in our final hour. So that's a exciting show. In fact, we want you to be part of this exciting show. And you can do that by dropping us an email, mail at you com. That's the easiest way to do it. And we appreciate all of you who reach out to us. And sometimes I'm tardy in my response. So let me go back to our Friday show because it was on Friday that we were playing the new Jason Aldean song, that song that was banned at CMT. And so I got a, a very good text that came in and I apologize. I didn't see it at the time, but we're on Monday's show now so texter my apologies please feel free to hit us back again on our 24-hour seven-day-a-week text line which is 615-208-4184 texter friday after we played the jason aldean song and told you about all the dilemma going on with that texter says i love the song and the message showing the footage as seen on tv simply reminds viewers of the violent, savage, despicable actions of certain folks who continue to foment a disregard for civility. And then they give the thumbs-down emoji. Texter continues, We can burn down cities and beat up cops, but you damn well better not write a song and sing about it. With another thumbs-down emoji. Texter, you could not be more accurate. And I really appreciate you sending that in. And there's a lot, of, a lot of things being said about that Jason Aldean song. Again, on Friday, if you missed it, we played that song, Try That in a Small Town. We played that in our final hour. And if you missed it, please go and find the podcast of this show, because we've got that song right there for you to listen to. And then I give a lot of the history behind not just the song, and the writers who wrote it, but i tell you a little bit more about the Murray County Courthouse there in Columbia, Tennessee, where the music video for Try That in a Small Town was filmed. And then I have a personal connection. I used to, 28 years ago, be the guy picking videos at CMT, the same channel that banned Jason Aldean. I was a young guy right out of college and got a job at CMT and found my way on the committee that picked videos. I was part of the editorial team, if you will, of CMT and great gig. And I can tell you in 1995 and 96 and some of 97, I think when I was there, no way would I be banning any video with the kind of message that Jason Aldean is putting out there with this one. He's just telling the truth, y'all. And you know what, CMT, of today, not the one that I used to be part of and proudly part of. Back when we had the great cows as part of our marketing campaign. But y'all need to listen up. Maybe I need to get back over to CMT and start making it more of a country music television channel instead of a woke non-country music channel as it appears that it has been for a long time long time texter thank you for sharing that thank you I really really do mean it when I say thank you for any and all feedback that we get here on the y'all show so let's pick up our news headlines and let me get off the temper tantrum that I've got here at my old employer but it all was caused by the texter being so nice and commenting on that Jason Aldean controversy that should not even be a controversy let's pick up with our newest headlines of this hour And those news headlines include a new monument that Joe Biden is going to sign on Tuesday to honor the memory of Emmett Till. It's going to have three locations, one in Chicago at the church of which his body laid in state back in 1955. And then also where his body was found in the Tallahatchie River in Mississippi. And then the courthouse in Sumner, Mississippi, where the trial happened back in the mid-1950s, Emmett Till was the young boy from Chicago that came to Mississippi to visit family and ended up being murdered. And his body found in the Tallahatchie River in the Mississippi Delta. And they tried the two men on murder charges back in 1955. And they were found innocent. They were let go after about a 30-minute deliberation. This has been one of the most historic cases in the south in the last hundred years because it definitely was fueled to flame up the civil rights movement and joe biden tuesday is going to sign into law a national monument for emmett till on emmett till's birthday tuesday at Emanuel church in charleston south carolina they Just broke ground over the weekend for the Emanuel Nine Memorial. That's going to honor the nine victims and five survivors that, that were there at that church, this historically black church in downtown Charleston, on June 18th of 2015. Literally, I think it was about a day or two before Donald Trump announced his candidacy for president because I wanted to watch... The Trump announcement, and it was not on cable TV because all the cable channels were still covering the shooting at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, and so I had to pull out my laptop and go to some kind of streaming service to see him come down the escalator. I kid you not. Back in 2015, and over the weekend at Mother Emanuel in Church in Charleston, they announced and broke ground on this new memorial for the nine victims, the preacher of that church was a state senator clementa pinkney the 41 year old was among nine people killed by that gunman when he went into a bible study on a wednesday night and there's going to be a memorial now in charleston for the church and the victims and they also just released their wholly restored pipe organ they were able to raise enough money for that very historic church and it's good news coming out of Charleston with the Emanuel Nine Memorial. <clears throat> now, you might have heard speaking of racial stories today. Have you heard about the brouhaha going on with Kamala Harris? She got really upset the other day and essentially called out Ron DeSantis's Florida because of the middle school curriculum that included lessons on how enslaved people benefited from slavery so over the weekend conservative commentator on cnn scott jennings he lives in the louisville area and is a kentuckian he actually went on tv over the weekend and called out the vice president over her claim that middle school children are benefiting that the slaves benefited from slavery as host dana bash she asked dana bash rather she asked panelists how Democrats have been calling for Harris to get out there more. And, and again, just the other day, Harris made a big, big deal out of this whole Florida thing. And Jennings kind of came to the defense of Florida and DeSantis. What he said Sunday included the statement, what is amazing to me that how little Kamala Harris apparently has to do that she can read something on Twitter one day and be on an airplane the next to make something literally out of nothing. This is a completely made-up deal. Jennings said that he looked at the standards, he even looked at an analysis of the standards, and in every instance where the word slavery or slave was used, I even read the statement of the African-American scholars that wrote the standards, not Ron DeSantis, but the scholars, everybody involved, in this says that it is completely a fabricated issue and yet look at how quickly Kamala Harris jumped on it. According to him it sounds like Kamala jumped all over this story and she went down to Jacksonville over the weekend and said just yesterday in the state of Florida they decided middle school students will be taught that enslaved people benefited from slavery. They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us, and we will not stand for it. The new curriculum in Florida states, instruction includes how slaves develop skills which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. Karen Finney is on CNN, and she praised what Kamala Harris said, calling it a stellar moment. Now the funny thing is, or ironic thing, Karen Finney, a black woman, is a direct descendant of Robert E. Lee. Sure enough, woman who helped with the Hillary Clinton campaign, a big Democratic strategist. So another example of how we will never get past slavery, Jim Crow, and we're just going to have to accept it that there will be heated debate from all sides on this subject, just like we will have continued and heated debate on the Civil War. That legacy, some would call it an unfortunate or horrible legacy, of this country, not just the South, but this country, the stain of the Civil War and and, and racism and, and Jim Crow and even stuff that happened in the 20th century in gar- regards to race, we we can't. Maybe I'm just being a detractor. I just don't see us ever getting completely past it. Especially when you got someone like Kamala Harris who, no offense, she's not looking out for America. She looks out for black America, specifically black women. Why do I say such a thing? Look at her schedule. Look at what she does. Almost every event she goes to is exclusively for minorities. I wish I were kidding. I wish I were, but I'm not as evidence. Like I said, she saw something Friday on Twitter or social media and Saturday. She's down in Jacksonville calling people out, which let me remind Kamala, the vice president. She has zero. And I mean, zero American slavery ties Her ancestors were not American slaves. They might have been slaves in Jamaica on her dad's side. Her mother was from India. But she does not have any American slave connections in her DNA. And don't ask me to go do a DNA check. (laughs) Maybe there is a chance that she might have somebody that ended up going to Jamaica or or something like that. But in, in a lot of ways... She can't say when she's out there talking her ancestors that were slaves in this country because that would not be true. I'm pretty darn sure of that, y'all. Let's move on with more headlines here. Speaking of Florida, Ron DeSantis, story out over the weekend about the governor of Florida who's got his 2024 campaign up and going. According to reports, the governor is planning a campaign reboot And he's going to have a significant shift on messaging, events, and media strategy. A story out cites a top campaign official with these developing bits of information on the DeSantis 2024 campaign. According to the story, you can expect fewer speeches and more handshaking in diners and churches. That's exactly what I said that Donald Trump should be doing more of. And I think he is, including going into Dairy Queen and not knowing what a blizzard is, which... (laughs) that's hard to believe but guess what i was talking about this the other day i bet you donald trump's hardly ever been in a dairy queen because i don't know what dairy queen's location map looks like but i highly doubt there's a dairy queen within a few blocks of trump tower in new york which is where most of trump's life has been spent i didn't have a dairy queen near me i was talking to my mother the other day about this subject And the closest Dairy Queen to me as a child was at least 20-something miles away. And it was an area that I didn't really go to. And so if if I didn't go to it, because my parents didn't go to that area. I think I remember seeing the the Dairy Queen when I was growing up. But I was okay not going there because you had other nice options for desserts and burgers. So I'll come to Trump's defense on the whole not knowing what a blizzard is, okay, see President Trump I got you back here don't don't start bashing me on <laughs> truth social, <clears throat> but yeah, it looks like DeSantis and his campaign going to have to really shake some things up. I tell you who also needs to shake some things up. It is Republican state senator out of Mississippi, Jeremy England he's in the news because it's a nasty political year in the state of mississippi they are in early august about to have a big party primary and then a general election follows in november for state offices in the magnolia state so right now for example tate reeves is trying to win re-election and he's got to win his primary which i don't think will be a problem to go against brandon presley elvis's cousin in the general election in November. But for lieutenant governor in Mississippi on the Republican side, it is a bit of a heated race. You got the incumbent, the lieutenant governor, Delbert Hoseman. Yeah, his name is Delbert Hoseman. And uh, he's up for re and a very, very savvy conservative named Chris McDaniel is going up against him. He's a state senator out of the Laurel-Hattiesburg area. Might be Jones is it Jonesville? Ellisville. Ellisville, it's in Jones County is where Chris McDaniel is from. And he is he's awesome. He ran for US Senate back in 2014 and lost in a nail biter to Thad Cochran. I race he should have won, frankly, over Cochran. But Jeremy England is a state senator in the news this week because He's now saying he intentionally wore what he considers a very embarrassing Halloween costume to raise money for breast cancer research. And that, quote, very embarrassing Halloween costume was a shiny pink bodysuit with a short pink skirt. Yep, that's what he had on. And now that picture of Senator england and mississippi is being used politically against i think his his chosen candidate for lieutenant governor delbert hoseman because england senator england says this picture of him and this outfit is being misused and it has been taken and used by dirty politics if you will on the mcdaniel side and it's got a slur directed at him in a very tough lieutenant governor's race in the state of mississippi as a person backing one of Hosman's opponents which i would assume is chris mcdaniel posted an image of the tutu clad state senator on twitter along with a comment hoseman the lieutenant governor, Hoseman and his groomer weirdos. England now telling the Associated Press, I consider that to be some of the worst dirty form of politics, which is, of course, where we are now in this race. There are actually two people going up against Delbert Hoseman. Not only does he have Chris McDaniel going up against him, but also a woman named Tiffany Longino, an educator also running. And if nobody wins a majority on August 8th, the day of the primary in the state of Mississippi, there will be a runoff on August 29th. But, yeah, how about using a guy that's not even running in the lieutenant governor's race, a picture off of social media of him in a shiny pink bodysuit and short pink skirt, using that in a political campaign. Hmm. Hey, what do you expect in America in 2024, huh? What do you expect in Mercer Shippey? in 2024 2023 actually i need to get my years right hey how about this story out of the florence alabama area do y'all know who lana del rey is she is a very successful singer songwriter she's actually out of new york city that's where she was born she's 38 years old she's had lots of hits she's done very well Lena del rey She's influenced a lot of people. There are people who are big stars today who credit her as an influence. She's won six Grammy Awards, a Golden Globe Award, and has been part of pop culture in a big way. Lena Del Rey, or Lana. You say tomato, I say tomato. Well, guess what? This Yankee, New York Yankee, (laughs) was just spotted at a Waffle House in the Muscle Shoals area. And she wasn't just in there eating. Lana Del Rey was working at the Waffle House in Florence. She was first spotted earlier last week in Birmingham working at a nail salon. And now she's out working at a Waffle House. She had a hit song called Summertime Sadness. Y'all might be familiar with that one. And... She ended up in Florence, Alabama and somehow found a way to put on a Waffle House outfit and uh, scattered, smothered, and covered her way to, to fame. Even had a name tag. Of course, the name tags at Waffle House are usually just like Sharpie. You scratch it on there. But she was pouring coffee for customers, according to Billboard.com. And one fan said she said she knows many people won't oscars but she wants to be in a waffle house serving coffee so how about that we're going to have to give this woman a very very good southern salute she's got a song on a recent album called paris texas and In there, she says, I took a trip to Spain, then I went to see some friends of mine down in Florence, Alabama. That's on a song called Paris, Texas that she's got out on her latest album. And a little bit more about this lady. I I like her. You know why? Because she describes herself as an anti-feminist. An anti-feminist. Yeah. I didn't know there was such a thing. But she's out, again, visiting Alabama. Working, air quotes, and a Waffle House, and I know she's been musically a big part of music for some twenty years now. But she's seems normal, and that's hard to find in today's pop star world. And uh, we'll just have to keep our eye where she ends up next. She might be helping me co-host the next episode of Y'all. For goodness sakes, Lana Del Rey, Lana Del Rey, Marina Del Rey. <laughs> That's a George Strait song, in case you don't know. Let's move on with more headlines on today's y'all show. So, out of Alabama we stay. Another heart of Dixie story. Approximately 23,000 acres of forest land in the Red Hills region of southwest Alabama has now been purchased by the Conservation Fund. That is a leading national nonprofit in land protection. And the reason they bought 23,000 acres of forest land in southwest Alabama, somewhere near Dothan, I guess, is where this would be, in the wiregrass, they're trying to protect the Red Hills salamander, and it's the only terrestrial vertebrae that inhabits only in Alabama, according to Outdoor Alabama. And these Red Hills salamanders live in the following counties, Crenshaw, butler covington Kanika, monroe and wilcox and i know i butchered conica or Kanika. that's i think the county that hank williams senior was born in so i shouldn't know how to pronounce it and it is this red hills salamander according to the u.s fish and wildlife service threatened and this organization buying 23 thousand acres right around the Alabama River near Monroeville, Alabama in southwest Alabama. Quite a quite a purchase. I'd have to think that this must have been owned by a timber company or something and that's who they bought it from, but uh, the fund got a seventeen million dollar loan from the Richard King Mellon Foundation to help pay for the land. So a bunch of money poured into this effort to save the Red Hills salamander in six counties of Alabama. We wish them all the best on that. And we hope it definitely goes a long way to saving this salamander and saving the South. And that wraps up our two headlines here on the show. That's all about salamanders and Hollywood slash pop stars making their way to a waffle house. (laughs) When we come back on the y'all show, we're going to continue on with some more fun. We've got, southern history to tell you about here in hour two we're going to let you know all about the desegregation of the united states army as that happened this week in 1948 i'm going to let you know about that and before the hour is up i've got thanks to shoney's a hot fudge cake recipe that i'm going to share with you and that's all coming up yummy (laughs) We want to hear you here at Supertalk 93.1 on shows like the Y'all Show, the Patriot Pastor, and the Frankie Lack Show. We've got a text line that you can text us and participate in the program. That number is 731-410-7560. And the Supertalk 93.1 text line is powered by See Me Tree Service. They are a West Tennessee-based company, and they will help you with any of your tree removal problems, tree trimming, tree elevation, pruning, tree topping, stump grinding, and more. They're a small family-owned business that's licensed and insured, and you can call See Me Tree Service for a free estimate. Call them at 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. For all of your tree removal or tree issues going on, give them a call for that free estimate. 731 617 2236. See me tree service. Powering the Super Talk 93.1 text line. Back on y'all, and a little Southern history that we're going to get to in this segment of our program, all about the Southeast. And we start off with that today in history. In 1948, President Harry S. Truman issued Executive Order 9981, and that ordered the integration of the armed forces following World War II. That was a huge step toward the advancement of civil rights. Under this executive order, it meant that Truman could bypass Congress and the Southern Democrats, those representing the solid South, would have stonewalled this legislation if it had gone in Congress. But it was, again, on July 26, 1948, here this week, that Harry Truman desegregated the U.S. Armed Forces. And we know now, since the Korean War, we've seen... Whites and blacks and people of all colors in the trenches fighting, serving, and oftentimes dying for this country. And that desegregation happened just years after World War II, which that war was fought in its entirety as a segregated war. There were even, I remember the old senator from Hawaii, Daniel Henaway, or Hawaii, or Daniel, I should remember his name. He was a incredibly decorated soldier of Japanese ancestry. And he fought in Italy and was severely wounded in that war and would go on to be elected as a U.S. senator for Hawaii, for Hawaii and lived into the 20th, 21st century, I know. And he fought in an all-Japanese outfit. I think there's at least a movie, one or two movies, about their service in World War II, the all-Japanese outfit. Then you had the all-black outfits. The Red Ball Express was a huge part of World War II's history. The black troops that helped supply soldiers and armies in Europe in World War II. And then the Tuskegee Airmen, there have been probably a hundred movies and shows about them. But it was in 1948 that Truman desegregated the services. And that's a bit of Southern history. Also, want to let you know that specifically today we want to remember the birth of Simon Jose Antonio de la Santa Misa Trinidad Bolivar Palacio Ponte de Blanco. Okay, we'll just call him Simon Bolivar. Simon Bolivar. Simon Bolivar. Simon Bolivar. Simon Bolivar. He was born this date in 1783 in Venezuela. When it was part of the Spanish Empire. And Simon Bolivar is considered to be the George Washington of Latin America. As his influence and military background helped the countries of Colombia, Venezuela, Ecuador, Peru, Panama, and Bolivia to gain independence from the Spanish Empire. And we remember this South American today on his birthday because. At one point, he actually came to Charleston, South Carolina. He came briefly to this country, but it helped inspire him and it helped lead his ultimate influence in South America to be such a big deal. And this was at a time where the British, they were losing their influence after their battle with France for all those years. France losing its influence, and Spain certainly was losing its power and Simon Bolivar would end up becoming again in many cases the George Washington of Latin America and one of the reasons I bring him up today is because of his legacy here in America it's very unusual in my opinion that this guy who never really lived in America he's from South America that His legacy is remembered quite fondly in the American South. There are counties, there are towns named after Simon Boulevard. And I got to give a shout out to Bolivar County in Mississippi. That is where Cleveland is located. It is named in his honor. I will give a shout out to Bolivar, Tennessee. That is in Hardiman County in West Tennessee. It is is named in honor of Simon Boulevard. In fact there's a statue of him right on the Courthouse Square and Bolivar. There's even a nice restaurant in Bolivar called Simon's in honor of Simon Boulevard. Or should we call him Seaman, So Simon. Simon I don't know how you I don't know how he would have, how he would have said his name, just like Marquis de Lafayette, a Revolutionary War General, was his name Lafayette? Or was it Lafayette or was it Some other crazy pronunciation. Until they get here and tell me how to pronounce their name, I'm just going to go with what I got. But yes, there are other, other recognitions of this South American in the South. But I just today want to, on his birthday, remember his influence. In the South, of all places. And that is a look at some of our Southern history. We're going to have more Southern history come up in our Number three, and it's going to be on the musical side of things, because I'm going to let you know all about a native North Carolinian's birthday today, Billy Taylor, and his impact on the civil rights movement, as he had a song called, I wish I knew how it would feel to be free. And we're going to play a portion of that in our final hour of this, the show that shakes the Southland. So make sure you hang on to that. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to scoot over and tell you all about Hot fudge cake. Why are we bringing that delicious subject up on this Monday edition? I have a dang good reason. I'm going to walk through this savory recipe that we've got to give Shoney's credit for. And we'll do just that when we come back.
1: Hey, y'all. Jeff Foxworthy here.
0: eat cake okay i'm okay with that thank you flurry cute little video if you get a chance to see that on youtube and cake is on our mind now as we wrap up hour number two because we've got our southern recipe of the day and i am going to tell you all about hot fudge cake recipe flurry would be very happy with this one so in the last couple of days i have gone to two restaurants where this has been on the menu and i just had to have it And one was absolutely delicious, and the other one was dang good. So take whichever (laughs) review you want. And so it's not fair for me to sit here and eat cake, or in this case of this music video, let them eat cake, without sharing with you your own way to have hot fudge cake. And I went online, and thanks to the website copycat.com, and that's copykat.com. They've got a recipe there that caught my eye and one heck of a picture to go along with it. This is a recipe at copycat.com for Shoney's hot fudge cake. Oh, if you were old enough to remember Shoney's and its incredible desserts that they had at their Shoney's locations across the country but especially here in the south before most every single Shoney's went out of business for various reasons. It was their hot fudge, man. I fell in love with their hot fudge Sundays and I've never been able to replicate that little dish, that silver thing that the hot fudge Sunday came in at Shoney's. Now they also, I think had a a platter. They would bring out hot fudge cake in at Shoney's and big boy locations. If you, have any around there, hopefully they still serve it. Shoney's has had a number of problems over the last 30 years. <laughs> but this this lady that posts this video or, or this recipe up, she grew up in Jefferson City, Missouri, and she remembers finally going with her grandparents to the local Shoney's in that part of Missouri and having a hot fudge cake. So she's got a recipe up, that she's, again, at the website copycat.com. I bet you there's not a Shoney's within 500 miles of Jefferson City, Missouri these days. So the author has gone and posted a story about how to make a hot fudge cake in the style of Shoney's. And the ingredients include devil's food cake, eggs, chocolate syrup, water, vegetable oil, vanilla paste or extract, kosher salt, and vanilla ice cream. That's just to make the cake. To make that delicious, incredible hot fudge sauce that you'll need, well, that takes sweetened condensed milk, bittersweet chocolate, water, syrup or dark brown syrup, salt, and then vanilla paste or extract. You can go to the website copycat.com to get the actual instructions. I don't want to bore you with how to do this, but uh, that gives you at least an idea of what all's involved in making it. The Shoney's style hot fudge cake. I hope you have had some of those in your time on earth. And if you haven't, maybe when you go to that pearly gate and you get through the door. In addition to all the wonderful things that you'll find up there. They might just have unlimited supplies of Shoney's hot fudge cakes and hot fudge sundays, And you'll truly feel like you're in heaven if that were the case. So go check that out again. (laughs) The website is copycat.com, the Shoney's Hot Fudge Cake Recipe. And I want to thank the two diners. I mean, they were not national chains that I went to the last couple of days. I went to one Thursday. I went to another one on Saturday. It was Saturday night. I went and had a nice meal all by myself. And I saw that listing on the wall of their cakes. And amongst the eight different choices was a hot fudge cake and you know what I asked when the waitress came? She wasn't really pushing the desserts on me. But I saw that sign on the wall and I said, I'm interested in the hot fudge cake, but you got to tell me, does that come with vanilla ice cream? And when she said yes, there was no doubt that it was going to be on my table within about three minutes. And it was incredible. Incredible. I loved it, and I will love it more. Just don't go check my diabetes readings anytime soon. (laughs) And that is a look at the southern recipe of the day here on this Monday edition of The Y'all Show. Cake and all. You can have your cake on this The Y'all Show any old time, y'all. we got another hour on this Monday edition that we're going to go to have have all that fun. No cake recipes in Hour 3, but we're going to have a lot to pile on. And I got an editorial announcement for a Tuesday show that I need to tell you about, and we'll do all that when we come right back for hour three of this the y'all show.
1: Talk with a southern accent. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-hmm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever.
2: Hi. Oh hey.
1: Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Uh. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger, put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.
0: Now for the final hour of this Monday, y'all show, John Rawl, the general of all things Southern here with you. And we appreciate you taking a moment to join us for another hour. A reminder that the y'all show broadcast on really cool radio stations, but we're also available in podcast form. If you miss any portion of the show, if you're listening to us on a awesome radio station, or if you're listening to our podcast and you want to share it with others, then they need to know where to go. And so we've got a couple of different podcast options out there that this show is available absolutely free of charge you can go to spotify we're in the iHeartRadio app the tune in app we're also on apple podcast and on apple let's see apple the itunes store yeah i'm getting confused here with all the social media stuff <laughs> as it's announced that today sometime if it hasn't already happened elon musk is rebranding twitter i guess when you spend as much money as he's done on twitter that i guess he can do whatever he wants to and i'm not about to tell elon musk what he can do with his pesos yeah but we're available in podcast form on all those different options here at the show all about the south the y'all show and if you're listening to us on a podcast and you want to Share this show to a friend of yours who has a sort of a, a southern kinship, if you will. Please feel free to share our show. We're trying to grow this audience even bigger than it already is, and we want to we want to make you a part of it. And you can be part of our show. Our email address is mail, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all dot com. You can email us anytime at that address. Now, I will tell you, as it is the Monday edition today, that we've got a little uh, y'all show house cleaning going on, and I'm not going to be able to host Tuesday's y'all show. I should be just fine for Wednesday, but we're going to not be doing a Tuesday show podcast for them, and so check that out. Our radio affiliates should have a show Tuesday. I'm not going to be involved with it, but we should be right back here Wednesday, and all should be hunky-dory. So check that out Wednesday, but we will not have a Tuesday, July 25th episode. If you're saving each and every one of our archives of our shows, don't think that you've somehow messed up on your end. We're not doing a show. Maybe I'll tell you one day why it's a, it's a, it's a medical reason, nothing big, but we'll not be doing the show on Tuesday. So just wanted to let you know, I'll try to remind you once again, Before we get out of here today, let's get into our headlines right now before we move over later in the hour to give you some Southern history from a music standpoint. Billy Taylor's birthday today, Billy, a jazz singer from Greenville, North Carolina, there in eastern North Carolina. And he had a song out in the 1960s. I wish I knew how it would feel to be free. And Nina Simone helped make that song more popular. And we're going to let you hear Nina's version of that song from her fellow North Carolinian and fellow jazz singer as we'll salute the late Billy Taylor on this his birthday. We've got a few other birthdays that we'll also mention in our Southern History Showcase coming up in the next segment. Before we get out of here today, we've got a lot of sports to pass along. We will tell you some college football news. A Austin P University freshman named Jeremiah Collins has been killed in a car wreck as he died Friday between clarksville where austin p is located in nashville he was a murfreesboro tennessee native just graduated from oakland high school in the borough and this austin p freshman dying in a wreck we'll let you know more about that plus news out of tallahassee florida a&m university has paused football activities after a rap video shoot happened in their locker room for goodness sakes We'll have info on that. Plus, speaking of these FCS programs, it makes me want to talk about FCS football. I have no problem doing that. Athlon Sports has just come out with their preseason FCS Top 25. And I'm going to tell you what teams in the South are right there at the tippy top of the FCS rankings. Good news, Tribe. You're up there. Good news, Paladins. You're up there. And good news red hawks of the cape gerardo variety <laughs> who all am i talking about you're gonna just have to listen later in the hour when we talk college football fcs style plus i got news out of the crimson tide program and it involves their radio broadcast voice eli gold the guy that was on nascar for a long time we got information out of tuscaloosa on that plus speaking of t-town One of its beloved former players just signed a $37.9 million deal with the Carolina Panthers. That would be Carolina's number one draft pick in the 2023 draft. Bryce Young inking with the Panthers. Plus, Brian Harmon, the Savannah, Georgia native and University of Georgia alum, winning the Open Championship over the weekend. We've got some audio right off the course after he won Sunday at Royal Liverpool. All that coming up in our sports report in this hour of the Y'all Show, powered by y'all.com. Let's get into these news headlines before we move over to the other good stuff that we've got coming your way this hour. And we start our news headlines with tragedy out of Eastland County in Texas as Sheriff's Deputy David Bassecker was killed in a domestic situation Friday night. He was shot and killed The Eastland County, Texas Sheriff's Office responding to a domestic fight in progress. And when they went there, the owner of that residence came out and basically shot the guy without the guy even knowing it. That's really what happened. The suspect was taken into custody and charged with capital murder. It's a tragedy there. Eastland County is in Central West Texas. I would say 45 minutes or so from Fort Worth to the west. And it includes the county seat of Eastland, Texas. Other communities in that county of Eastland County, Texas, include Cisco and Ranger, where you'll find a couple of junior colleges in the Lone Star State. But tragedy again from the weekend with a domestic disturbance case. Those law officers, every time... They have to go answer a domestic disturbance. There is that very, very very real potential of a news headline coming across like I'm having to do today with a Texas sheriff's deputy losing his life in the line line of duty. Our thoughts there with Eastland, Texas, with the sheriff's office of Eastland County, and to the family and others involved in the tragic loss of Sheriff's Deputy David Bosecker. In the Lone Star State. Other headlines on today's Y'all Show. Ron DeSantis, his campaign is planning a reboot as he's struggling to latch on. He's still trailing Donald Trump in a big way. He just, I mean, when you start your campaign off on Twitter and it ends up being one heck of a hiccup. You know, Ron, I'm thinking maybe this just isn't your time, sir. Maybe, just maybe. But according to inside sources with the DeSantis 2024 campaign, he's planning a reboot. You can expect fewer big speeches and more handshaking in diners and churches. And there's going to be more of a national focus than on Florida references, according to the story coming out. About Ron DeSantis, who's really needing to shake things up. And we wish him, we wish him the best. Look, he's got a... He's got a tough road to hoe going up against Donald Trump. I mean, Trump is, he's just beloved. I saw the Sean Hannity town hall the other day from Iowa. I think it was in Cedar Rapids. And if you didn't see that, I mean, what a spectacle there. And it might've been as many, not as many thousands of people as it looked like, but at least for TV sake, it was impressive. The amount of people they crammed in there not for a rally this was not a trump style gonna get up there and talk for two hours this was a sean hannity made for tv conversation on the fox news channel and trump looked good and i know trump did good because why guess what they didn't do on sunday on all the talking head shows on cable tv they didn't spend the whole hour going through what trump said to ruffle feathers over the week and you know what else? I know Trump's got a lot of legal problems right now, but his support is there. And something, since Twitter's in the news today, as it's being rebranded evidently by Elon Musk today with a new logo at least, some kind of X, um, an unintended consequence maybe happen after 2020 and the January 6th problem for Trump. He got kicked off of all these social media things. He got kicked off of Twitter. And he went and started his own Truth Social. And that just hasn't caught on like Twitter did. And one of the biggest things you heard about Trump while he was president, while he was a candidate pr- prior to being elected president, what what was the thing you heard so much from people? I like Trump, but if he would just stop tweeting, if he would just stop running his mouth on Twitter... Well, Twitter helped him out when they kicked him off. And yeah, he's been running his mouth on truth social, but that's not Twitter, y'all. That doesn't have any anywhere close to the impact that a tweet that hit 100 million people did that Trump did when he was on Twitter back in the good old days. And so I really think the old regime at Twitter looking back is kicking themselves because they're they kicked Trump off and heck. That's one thing people can't say negative about him right now. He might be multiple times indicted, but he's not ticking people off on Twitter like he used to because he's not on Twitter or at least he's not anywhere close to being on Twitter like he used to be. And people have short memories. And that's why polling still shows him in most cases above Joe Biden. And he's certainly dominating on the Republican side. So, Trump's value is pretty dang high right now. And when you see him on Sean Hannity, for example, last week, boy, he's got it. He's got it. He he might be, what is he, 77 now? But he is, he might be full of it, but he's got it in terms of he ain't shutting up. You don't see Trump looking dazed and confused like other people. And His message is usually the same old message. And yes, it may not be original and it might not be the best message, but it is a message. And you can't really say that for others. And so kudos to Trump as he's doing real well, so much so that the the darling boy, the Ron DeSantis, is really having to reshuffle things. And that's what's happening with with his campaign right now. And one positive for Ron DeSantis, he's still solidly, in most cases, number two. And your other people, your Tim Scotts of the world and your Chris Christies, they're they're getting a little activity, but they're still way behind Ron DeSantis. So Ron DeSantis probably just needs to keep not making forced errors. And just, yeah, he's probably not going to get it, but that's okay. He can use 2024 as a great learning experience if he wants to run again in four years but again as I've said before he also doesn't need to quit because if he quits the race then others who aren't quite as conservative are going to get a lot more traction and that's not what you want if you're a conservative Ron DeSantis checks off a lot of boxes if you're into conservatism and most conservatives if you're like me have no problem with a President DeSantis one day. just probably doesn't need to be within the next two years. But there's a chance Trump might be in jail in the next two years. That's why DeSantis needs to just keep on trucking. And we'll see what happens. We'll see how the cards play out, if you will. Let's wrap up our headlines of this hour with a story out of the Grand Strand of South Carolina. A family staying at a Myrtle Beach hotel is getting their TikTok video to go viral because of the hotel experience they had. And it wasn't the best of experience that they had while staying at this Myrtle Beach hotel. One that I had not quite heard of, Ocean Star Hotel. The family planned on staying there for that vacation they had been thinking about for a long time. I'm not sure where they're from. The Strickland family, they're the ones that shot this video. But according to the video and interviews that the members of the family had, they put their hands on the bed mattress and that's when they felt dampness. The mattress was wet. And then they looked up at the ceiling and they saw water drops on the ceiling. The hotel management blamed the moisture from the beach. So they went to the bathroom according to their TikTok video. And while there, they said somebody had used the bathroom all over it, not cleaned it at all. The bathroom or the bathtub actually had holes in it, according to this TikTok video. And then they continued around the dressers where it was nothing but water on top of the dressers, the TVs. When they looked at the ceiling, you could only see water drops. The entire roof had water drops all around it. Hair, mold, and more. And the family left the hotel room and was denied a refund. So what did they do? They went on TikTok and let everybody know out there about this hotel in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So you might want to take this one off of your travel plans if you've got this one booked. Ocean Star Hotel. I don't have a comment. I'm only reading a story posted at WATE.com about this terrible stay and the unsanitary conditions at this hotel uh, alleged by this family. But I got a feeling that hotel might be changing up their cleaning staff any day. By the way, on Google, this hotel has 1.8 stars out of 5 in terms of its reviews. On bookings.com, it's got a 3.4 out of 10. And I definitely, I don't know know about y'all, but... I definitely look at ratings of hotels before I book a a hotel stay. According to WBTW, that's the local outlet there in Myrtle Beach, they attempted to speak to the hotel owner, but the front desk said he will be out of town for three weeks. And when the reporters of that station asked for a phone number, the hotel said there wasn't a number to call. Hmm. Now, this is the bad thing, South Carolina. According to South Carolina's Restaurant and Lodging Association, there is no, quote, state agency that inspects hotels or motels. Hmm. That might be similar for other states, too. But you might just want to be taking this particular Grand Strand Hotel off of your visit list when you're hanging out in Myrtle Beach this summer or for the next 100 summers. If you you know what I'm saying, y'all, we love our Myrtle Beach hotels. This might not be one of them, though, y'all. And that's a look at our news headlines for hour number one of this, the show that shakes the Southland and tells you about hotel stays, hot fudge cakes, and southern sports, and so much more. We're the Y'all Show. When we come back, we're going to take it from up in Myrtle Beach to up in Greenville, North Carolina, because that eastern North Carolina city today is remembering its late singer, Billy Taylor. Billy Taylor's birthday is today, and we're going to remember this jazz singer and a song that he wrote called I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free. His fellow North Carolina jazz singer Nina Simone recorded that back in the 1960s. We're going to play that for you and tell you more about this North Carolina jazz singer Billy Taylor on his birthday. And then we've got a couple of other Southerners with birthdays that we're going to be passing along. A lady from Oklahoma that's a fairly famous actor. It's her birthday today. And a lady from Joplin, Is she from Joplin? She might be from Rolla. That's her hometown. A lady that ended up being a U.S. Senator for the state of Missouri up until just a few years ago. And I'm going to tell you about both of those ladies as it's their birthday when our Southern History Spotlight for Hour 3 arrives right after this break.
2: kind of cute, you like your smile, you think that it's a beaut, so you like you, oh, you think you're cute, so you like your voice, the way you wear your hair, the way you dress, you think you've something there, so you like you. spell the boys you fascinate the girls you stimulate but well so you
0: like your lips the way that they compare. That's Billy Taylor taking you back to the 1940s for that one. That's Billy Taylor born on this date in 1921 in Greenville, North Carolina He died at the age of 89 in New York City back in 2010 a great jazz singer and here on the y'all show we're going to take a few minutes to remember billy taylor's career and play another song that was one of his great ones and recorded by nina simone his fellow north carolina jazz singer a song called i wish i knew how it would feel to be free and that ended up being a song that served as an anthem for the civil rights movement of the 1960s billy taylor born in greenville in eastern North Carolina, but moved to Washington, D.C. when he was just five years old. He played the piano, and he actually had classical piano lessons with Henry Grant, who educated Duke Ellington a generation earlier. What a, what a story there. He attended Dunbar High School, and that was the first high school for black students in the entire country. That's in Washington, D.C. He would go on to attend Virginia State College majoring in social, or rather sociology, at this Ettrick, Virginia, HBCU. And then he would ultimately move to New York City after he finished college and got his music career going. As I said, this song that I was just playing, So You Think You're Cute, was recorded back in the 1940s. But would go on to record and have a very long career as a jazz singer. And one of his most famous songs was the 1952 composition he wrote called I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free. And it became a civil rights anthem. Nina Simone covered the song on her 1967 album, Silken Soul. The tune is known in Great Britain as a piano instrumental version, and it was used on the BBC's long-running film program. If you have any BBC fans out there, you might be familiar with the show film. And that film name changed depending on what year it was. In 1958, Taylor became the music director of NBC's The Subject is Jazz, the first TV series to focus on jazz music. Y'all remember that one? (laughs) Oh, yes. He would go on to be on TV a lot. He actually established something called the Jazz Mobile in New York City as a way to promote jazz through educational programs and would end up being a big fixture on NPR hosting two long-running jazz programs, Jazz Alive as well as Billy Taylor's Jazz at the Kennedy Center. That ran from 1995 to 2001. It won a Peabody Award by the way. He ended up going on ultimately into some education endeavors as he was part of the hometown East Carolina University. He was a visiting professor there and would also work at other universities with their promotion of jazz around the country. Billy Taylor, Now, the song that he's best known for is likely this song I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to be Free. And it was covered by a bunch of acts. Including Lighthouse Family. They covered it with a medley of U2's One. The song was recorded for the movie Acrimony by Andra Day. Dionne Ferris performed the song for the soundtrack Ghost of Mississippi back in the 1990s. But the most Probably successful rendition of I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free was by Nina Simone. And Nina Simone, just like Billy Taylor, was a native of North Carolina. She was from Tryon, North Carolina. And I'm going to play her version, or at least a portion of it here in just a second. Nina Simone lived from 1933 to 2003. She died in France at the age of 70 back in 2003. She was a Methodist preacher's daughter. And the preacher, by the way, was her mama. Her daddy was a barber and her mama was a Methodist preacher. How about that? Nina Simone, a songwriter, pianist, civil rights activist. And then her music went through several styles. Folk, gospel, blues, R&B, pop, and more. And this was one of her most popular songs. It was the Billy Taylor song that he had recorded a few years early, but she in the 1960s put it on an album and it got a lot of airplay. And I'm going to play, I wish I knew how it would feel to be free, the Nina Simone version for you here on the Y'all Show, play a portion of this. And then I got some, an addition to Billy Taylor having a birthday on this July 24th. we got a few other Southerners that I want to share before we move over to sports talk in a few, but enjoy this civil rights anthem of the 1960s.
2: and clear for the whole round world to hear I wish I could share all the love that's in my
0: That from 1967 from Nina Simone. I wish I knew how it would feel to be free. One of the civil rights anthems of that time period in American and Southern history. And Nina singing that song written by her fellow North Carolina jazz singer, Billy Taylor, born on this day back in 1921. Others from the South celebrating birthdays on this July 24th. Got to give a shout out to Kristen Chenoweth. The Broken Arrow, Oklahoma-born singer and actress. She's 55 years old today. Congratulations. Of course, you might remember her from her roles that she's been on, like Pushing Davies. Daisy, she was on the West Wing. She's a Tony Award winner. And she's been a heck of a singer. Kristen Chenoweth with a birthday today. She's beautiful. She's talented. She's also a liberal. Speaking of liberals, Claire McCaskill. It's her birthday today. The former U.S. Senator from Missouri and the 34th Auditor of the Show Me State. She was in that position from 99 to 2007. She's got a birthday today. She was born July 24th in Rolla, Missouri. She's got three children, and she is a Mizzou alum both a bachelor's degree and a law degree from the University of Missouri. So happy birthdays to Oklahoman Kristen Chenoweth and Missouri's own Claire McCaskill, who oftentimes is on some of the Talking Head shows. I think she might be a regular contributor on MSNBC. MSDNC, I think, is the right channel to see the Rolla, Missouri lady. Her daddy was a state insurance commissioner during the Warren Hearns administration, and her mama was the first woman elected to the City Council of Columbia, where Mazoo is located. We have more y'all show. We got sports news coming up next. We want to hear you here at Supertalk 93.1 on shows like The Y'all Show, The Patriot Pastor, and The Frankie Lack Show. We've got a text line that you can text us and participate in the program. That number is 731-410-7560. And the Supertalk 93.1 text line is powered by See Me Tree Service. They are a West Tennessee-based company, and they will help you with any of your tree removal problems, tree trimming, tree elevation, pruning, tree topping, stump grinding, and more. They're a small family-owned business that's licensed and insured, and you can call See Me Tree Service for a free estimate. Call them at 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. For all of your tree removal or tree issues going on, give them a call for that free estimate. 731-617-2236. See me tree service, powering the Super Talk 93.1 text line. And we're back here on the y'all show. I know you know that fight song. It is the fight song of the tribe, William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia, the second oldest university in all of America. Only Harvard is older than this great Virginia institution. And there's a reason we're playing William and Mary's fight song on this, the y'all show. Hang on. I'll tell you exactly why it is being played in a second as it's good news, tribe fans. As we're about a month away from the start of college football, you are highly ranked. And I'll tell you just how high you are in the latest FCS preseason polls. But let's start off with some other football-related stories on this Monday edition of the Y'all Show. Congratulations to a guy who has quite a following already in the Carolinas' Bryce Young, he's the brand-new quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. He signed a four-year deal over the weekend that's going to allow him to be paid $37.9 million. He gets a $24.6 million signing bonus that's fully guaranteed. So he will be reporting, and he already has, to training camp at a great FCS school, the Wofford College campus in spartanburg south carolina home of the terriers and home of the carolina panthers fall training camp and so young now with his name on the dotted line he will be there alongside andy dalton and matt corral battling to be the signal caller for the panthers in 2023 other football news bryce young's alma mater is the university of alabama and eli gold has been the voice of Alabama football since 1988. Good news, Tide fans. The longtime Alabama and NASCAR broadcaster has recently been declared cancer-free after he had a mystery illness pop up and the 69-year-old ended up missing all of the 2022 football season. But he's going to be in the radio booth in Bryant-Denny Stadium when the Crimson Tide kick it off against MTSU on september 2nd so eli gold if you love alabama football and that golden voice that they've got there eli gold is going to be back at the broadcast booth this year for the crimson tide Alabama, what does he say touchdown alabama and chris stewart does a good job chris stewart also has had his own share of health problems in the last couple of years But Eli Gold looks like he'll be back calling Crimson Tide football and saying things like, touchdown Alabama in 2023. Man, if I could just call football games for Alabama football, life would be good. Actually not, because I don't really particularly care for Alabama. Ah, There's worse teams. not to have all the crimson tide hate mail come my way there's worse teams out there you could be a play-by-play guy for i won't say who i will say that boy it would be pretty hard to be the play-by-play voice for let's say hmm, hawaii although that'd be great because you get to travel see every job would be great if you were the play-by-play voice and eli gold's one heck of a voice crimson tide fans with their huge broadcast network by the way got to give The Crimson Tide Sports Network, plenty of love. You'll hear him in a whole bunch of states this fall. Sad news out of Clarksville, Tennessee. Austin Peay University is now mourning the loss of Jeremiah Collins. He was a freshman football player on the Govs football program, and he was killed in a car wreck over the weekend. An 18-year-old defensive back out of Murfreesboro's Oakland High School killed in a crash when he lost control of his pickup truck and it rolled over and he was killed police said there were no signs of impairment at the scene the freshman player for the govs of austin p jeremiah collins losing his life just days before his team would report to clarksville for the start of the 2023 football season where did i see austin p their big game opponent this year I think last year they played down in Oxford, I think. I love when the FCS teams play the the big boys. Sometimes, more often than not, they, they beat them big schools, even out of the FBS, even out of the Power Five, y'all. So let's tell you some more FCS football news, better news. Sadly, we have to tell you about a player losing his life crazy news out of the fcs football ranks. florida a university has now suspended all football related activities following the release of an, author- an authorized rap video that was filmed inside the tallahassee florida-based university's locker room this rap video featured explicit lyrics from rapper real boston richie the song send a blitz And Coach Willie Simmons, a former Clemson quarterback, a former quarterback for one year of the Citadel Bulldogs of the FCS, by the way. Simmons announcing his decision to suspend all football-related activities. This guy went into the locker room, filmed a music video. There were FAMU players who joined him wearing official FAMU logos without proper authority. You don't do that kind of stuff. And Simmons, who's been the head coach of the Rattlers since 2018, He's going to have to clean up his act. The Rattlers opened their season against Jackson State. Now without Deion Sanders, September 3rd is when that game is. But hmm, not exactly the way you want to start off your, your season if you're a Florida A&M Rattler fan of the SWAC fame. You know, they just moved over to the SWAC in the last two years. And I think they're going to be a powerhouse in that conference, especially now that primetime has gone on to Boulder. Now, speaking of FCS football, this is exciting to tell you. We've got, courtesy of Athlon Sports, the preseason top 25 of football championship subdivision football. Remember last year, we had an upset. We had a brand new champion of FCS football. It was a Dakota State that won the national championship, but it was not North. It was the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State that won in Frisco back in January. So... Athlon Sports has come out with their preseason top 25, and those Jackrabbits out of the Missouri Valley Conference are your number one FCS preseason team. North Dakota State, those guys, the Bison are at number two, no surprise there. Montana State, three. But then the reason we played the fight song of William and Mary earlier is the tribe out of the Coastal Athletic Conference now, they're the number four preseason team. So, congratulations, Tribe. They've got running backs Bronson Yoder and Malachi Emo coming back alongside Darius Wilson at quarterback. So, look out, Williamsburg, for the Tribe of the CAA this year. Also, out of the South, the Furman Paladins are going to be coming into the top ten. They're number six in the Athlon preseason poll. Furman's got 18 starters there in Greenville, South Carolina and they helped lead the FCS in turnovers with 29 gained turnovers and 10 block kicks last year. Quite a turnaround from a team that's been sputtering for a number of years in Greenville, South Carolina. The Furman Paladins, number six in this preseason poll. Other Southern teams that are showing up. How about the Redhawks, the Redhawk Indians of SEMO in Cape Girardeau, Southeast Missouri, which had a great season last year. They went 7-0 and in the OVC. They're in the preseason top 10 at number 9. The Lions out of Hammond, Louisiana, and the Southland Conference, southeastern Louisiana, checks in at number 11. You also have out of Texas, Incarnate Word, UIW is at number 12 in the preseason poll. The Samford Bulldogs, they were undefeated in the Southern Conference last year. And they were 8-0 in Ended up having 11 wins to their credit. They gave the Georgia Bulldogs a heck of a game in Athens last year. Played them better than most teams. Sanford comes in this year at number 13 in the Athlon preseason poll. Also from the south, the Mercer Bears. They check in at number 17 in the preseason poll. They're also a SoCon team. Mercer and Macon went 7-4, and 5-3 and three in SoCon play. I think they missed the playoffs last year, sadly. There at Five Star Stadium, the Spiders of Richmond are hoping to cast a great web in 2023. They come in the Athlon Sports poll ranked number 21. The Bears in their purple and silver turf there in Conway, Arkansas, the UCA Central Arkansas is number 22. The Skyhawks of UT Martin, five and 0 last year and champions of the OVC or co-champions maybe alongside Semo. Quarterback Matt Myers, a grad transfer from the Buffalo team. Buffalo, what are they, the Buffalo Bison? What are they? UB. I will just call him that. He's going to be leading his team. And then they've got running back Sam Franklin there in Martin, Tennessee, for the Skyhawks, ranked number 23 in the preseason poll. And lastly, out of the south, North Carolina Central, the defending Celebration Bowl champs. They knocked off Deion last year in his final game at Jackson State. The Eagles of UNCC or NCCU, I think is actually what they're called. They're going to be bringing back 12 players out of the MEAC conference. And again, those are all teams in the FCS ranks of college football, which were about a month away from FCS teams kicking it off for the 2023 season. Congratulations to all the teams, and we're going to give Just a heads up, plenty of love to FCS teams on the Y'all Show going forward throughout the 2023 season. Yeah. Congratulations to a guy who didn't play for an SEC school. Or rather, he didn't play for an FCS school. He played for an SEC school in terms of golf. Brian Harmon, the Georgia native, won the Open Championship on Sunday. Won it by a bunch of strokes. And he becomes the latest American to win the Open Championship with his commanding performance in the rain and the wind and the yuck, and just a great job. His third career win, his first major, as he won by six strokes, 13 under his tally at Royal Liverpool for the Sea Allen, Georgia resident and father of three. Just after his victory, Brian Harmon was interviewed by the Golf Channel, and we'll go to their Golf Channel on YouTube channel to play you a portion of that interview and let you hear more about this open champion with a southern accent,
3: Brian Harmon. Brian, you came here with a large lead, tough conditions, and many of the world's best trying to catch you. Externally, from our perspective, it looked like you were in total control. I don't know what you were inside. No, <laughs> mentally and emotionally, how, how were you able to keep it all together and, and get the job done? Yeah, I mean, I was a wreck last night. I mean, I've been a wreck the whole week, but it's just trying to just you know just just grind it and not you know i i kept thinking about something kirby smart said don't well i'm not gonna be hunted i'm gonna hunt you know i decided to get out and 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 try and take as much control as i could and when i made a couple putts on the front nine i I felt like it settled down and like i felt like i had a lot of control what were you wrestling all week just uh you know just future forecasting and worrying about what could happen and and uh, like, I, like I said earlier, I was in the shower this morning. I was like, you know, d- nothing bad has happened yet. Let's let's get out there. Let's get warmed up. Let's get ready to go, and let's do our best. I, I'm sure you've had the belief, but to hold that trophy and to prove to yourself and the world that you're a major champion, how much validation is that for you? Yeah, that has been a lot of work. I'm 36 years old. I've put, a, I've put a lot of time, a lot of sacrifice into this game. So to be able to take a minute and just be like, I did it for a week, I did it. You were a great amateur, great junior player, great college player, two-time Walker Cup member. I'm guessing you probably thought that wins would come a little much more in your PGA Tour career. You mentioned you're in your mid to late 30s now. That's right. Was Over it, the hill. Was it worth the wait? Yes, it was.
1: Yes, so? it was. Just
3: all the, all the work, it just it, it just feels right. Don't know why. It feels right. I, I have been frustrated that I haven't won more. I felt like that, uh, that sometimes that – Maybe I didn't give the credit I deserved, so it's just nice. Like I said, for a week, it all came together, putter worked, and uh, got him. All right, that was Brian Harmon being interviewed by a member
0: of the Golf Channel's coverage team, Todd Lewis, just after his victory at Royal Liverpool, picking up $3 million for his victory, his first major. The Open Championship says he's going to go back to his Georgia farm and get on his brand-new Kubota tractor. And check out his food plots as he's a big outdoorsman. Sounds like a good open champion there with a southern accent. Well, that wraps up our Monday Y'all Show. Again, we will be off the air Tuesday, at least in podcast form. Check us back on Wednesday. We should be back up and going with more coverage of what's going on across the South. John Rawl, you allcoms is our website. Thanking you for being a part of the
1: fun. I'm jumping
2: my
1: clothes Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council.